Good day. This is Free City Radio. I'm your host, Stefan Christoph. It is Tuesday, the 9th of November, 2021, and this is the 67th edition of the program. Thanks for being with us. On the program this week, I'm going to be presenting an interview with Sanaz Sorabi, who is an artist, a writer, a professor, um, who has a great exhibition up in Montreal right now called Hiding in Plain Sight, Archives of Oil. We talked about this work uh, and the space it creates. I think to give a sense and a context of the um, uh, work, I'll just read a bit of the introduction uh, that is up on the Centre Clark website uh, where the exhibition is taking place in Montreal. In this exhibition by Iranian artist Sanaz Sorabi, we are presented with a series of personal photo, collage, archival images, and ephemera. Together, these works speak to the ways in which the fight for natural resources, oil, gas, water, and the history and legacy of colonialism will always be intertwined. The irony is that for most oil-producing countries seeking to break from the oppression of their colonizer, their only chance for leverage came from oil. Freedom meant that domestic oil corporations took root, nationalizing oil in the Middle East at a moment of radical change and shifting borders. The British Petroleum BP archives contain primary and secondary materials from more than 100-year-long history of the company, which began as the Anglo-Persian Oil Company, APOC, only changing its name in 1954. When Sorabi visited the archives, she found that the company picture albums, which contained official and non-official documentation of various BP sites, had been reshuffled multiple times, as if someone at some point had wanted to rewrite the narrative. What Sorabi had has extracted from the BP archives acts as a counter-narrative to BP and APOC's celebratory tone. Yes, there were swimming pools, but they came at the expense of the rivers. Yes, there were movie theaters, but they came with a caste system, reinforcing one's place within the colonial hierarchy. And of course, there was oil, the cause and solution to these issues, the raison d'etre of foreign interest in the Middle East. With this work, Sorabi refuses to let the colonial narrative have the upper hand. Hers is a wilding of the narrative rather than a taming of it. So I had the chance to speak with Sanaz at the uh, exhibition space. I also attended an artist talk. I think that um, one thing that really struck out uh, for me in thinking about this exhibition and seeing it, um, the reworking of the archives, was really the idea that um, often uh, narratives, even within the left, around um, American imperial Western G7 um, interests, corporate interests, including Canada, of course, um, Western Europe's uh, reach to the Middle East, as it's called in colonial terms, West Asia, um, often focus on oil um, simply as a resource to be looted. And of course, that's a very critical part of the story that's persisting until today. But I think what's less uh, explored is the cultural violence that happens through colonial action of this nature. What are the lasting implications of colonial conquest 
in the 20th century for oil uh, conquests that persist today. Um, what are the political implications, cultural, social ones? And I think this exhibition by Sanaz shows the depth and the magnitude, really, of the various unfolding realities that were impacted by um, imperial oil uh, force uh, from the you know BP oil of England to you know many other corporations that are involved not just in Iran's oil but uh, in the oil of the Gulf region and beyond. So I think this is a very important exhibition, but also um, you know uh, it brings up some really important reflections that uh, speak to this this particular work by Sanaz, but also I think are really important to reflect on more broadly. So on the program this week, I'll share with you our conversation uh, recorded here in Montreal. So here it is, and I hope you enjoy. We're at the exhibition here, um, Hiding in Plain Sight, Archives of Oil. Sanaz uh, Sorabi uh, is the force behind this amazing exhibition that I can imagine is related to many years of work that you've done. And maybe we can sort of start here because... I can see the in-depth, both personal archiving from these stamps to also your uh, research work that has visited in detail the idea of worlds that uh, were created but also destroyed in the context of oil in Iran and also decolonization. Um, to which extent was that a possibility? We don't know. It's still unfolding Maybe just first to start, could you maybe share, I'm sure there's so many, but maybe like two or three points of the main sort of driving force behind this exhibition. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, it is a pleasure to be in a conversation with you. And there's many years of research um, yeah. Yeah. into the exhibition. It's um, um, the first output in terms of an installation format of, okay. of this project. Uh, because um, the work was supposed to come out two years ago, but because of the pandemic, it got postponed. Okay. And it is part of my uh, doctoral research project as Concord, at Concordia University. I'm in the interdisciplinary uh, PhD program. And I have been working on this mm -hmm. project for, for quite some time, when I started in 2017, um, exactly. And okay. there are... Um, there are moments that are definitely, um, I would call them the anchors of the project, okay. moments that really uh, you remember, you remember as a, as a form of turning point, as a moment that really sticks with you, that you really change your perspective, mm. you, you see something anew, mm. although it was right in front of you or it was hiding in plain sight as mm. you were doing mm. your research. Uh, some of them are actually in the exhibition. Like um, um, one of them is may seem very very quotidian or very mundane, but is the na uh, cover of the NAFT magazine um, that was published in 1945, yeah. after the um, uh, end of the Second World War, and it shows um, um, this framed mountain in Master Soleiman where um, the main oil fields were, sort of. Um, um, uh, uh, Extracted, mm -hmm. if you will, mm -hmm. or the main oil fields were at um, from the from the beginning, and the main uh, company uh, oil company's office was there too. And the first oil well that later became a cultural site and like a form of a museum 
if you okay. will, uh, when it is stopped working. Okay. So you see on the mountain, there is this V engraved on the mountain or on this small hill rather, it's not really a mountain. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I saw this magazine cover um, that the, Brit uh, the British really, um, they went to the extent to engrave this thing on, on, the, on, on the hill and um, as a sign of victory, as a sort of like a symbol of victory, mm -hmm. while Iran was clearly a major energy con resource and energy contributor to, to, the, uh, to the allied forces um, and to Russia uh, all, um, during the war. And seeing that when I was doing my research um, really s s stuck with me, mm -hmm. that seeing this framed hill, um, it seems very mundane compared to other other of, um, other images that I had seen in the archive, which are so many of them. So it really stuck out to me. Um, and there are other um, moments um, as well when I was working with the archive. One of them was um, um, looking at um, looking at certain images that they were from the socialist spaces and. Um, spaces of leisure, which is one of the focuses of the exhibition, was to really thinking about like when you look at an mm -hmm. image mm -hmm. that you don't see the, the sort of like the icons of oil industry. You don't see any oil derrick, you don't see any pipeline, you don't see any tanker, you don't see any oil oil field mm -hmm. or any refinery, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you feel the presence. Like the, the image is telling you that mm -hmm. the, it tells you something about oil, mm -hmm. and those. Um, Sort of um, a spectral aspects of um, of the images also com continues to engage me uh, in different ways. So you know, seeing seeing images or looking at the images in the archive mm -hmm. that um, point at oil without you seeing it in the in that first degree of pointing at oil is a still up to this day. I think is one of those moments that is always um, comes back at me when I'm doing the work, mm -hmm. when I'm continuing the research. Mm -hmm. Because this exhibition, this archival assembly that I call it, is meant to grow. And this mm -hmm. is um, one of, one of uh, a growing uh, assembly that I, I'm building to grow. So, you know, yeah. that's, that's one um, or two instances that I can mention. Sure. Um, well, but there are many uh, sure. that we can talk more. That's really appreciated. And looking at this NAFT magazine cover and the title of the exhibition, Hiding in Plain Sight, often, you know, colonial um, action in imagery mm -hmm. is maybe not um, conceptualized in terms of its full meaning. Like in the sense of this victory sign so much violence is represented exactly, by this, yeah. this victory sign. When, when, when I first saw it, I thought violence, not victory. Yeah. Yeah. And um, just thinking also about the Anglo-Iranian oil company and sort of that whole process of nationalization, um, could you just maybe share a bit about why that is an important history in terms of your work, but also more broadly, mm -hmm. why it's important for us to know about well, the you know Anglo-Iranian oil company, um, and later when it became um, officially renamed to British Petroleum on it, on the British side, and um, Iran's oil company became National Iran Oil Company, which again after the nationalization, after the two years of the global embargo imposed by 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 England, um, again was turning to a consortium of foreign oil companies and sort of. Um, went back into another system of exploitation um, in, 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 in the government at a time. Um, 
you know, Anglo-Iranian really stands um, as a, you know, as as a as a form of company that um, for half a century um, uh, was one of the major contributors of energy and oil um, on a global level. Um, all the while, um, it uh, still remains, um, um, and it's, a, and it's the, the fine, quote-unquote, fine job uh, of uh, how much BP has done in terms of like rebranding itself and hiding this history, um, uh, um, that um, really it's like um, this ravaging through through these resources for so long mm-hmm. uh, and how much of the sort of like the historical formations, the events of the, the first half of century and later later on too, have been around this um, um, process of exploitation, process of like destruction through extraction. So it, is, it resonates up to this day. We don't have to go into details to understand like how much extraction uh, at this moment um, um, is not only is not a legacy of the past; it is unfolding in the present, and especially um, for um, major oil companies uh, today, for um, for for sort of a lot of countries in the global north that are thinking about their post-petroleum futures um, and they're thinking about a world without petroleum. Um, there are many worlds that they were already that already ended because of the extraction of oil and petroleum. So. Uh, there's so many different futures, some of which have been already um, sort of like dead. Some of them are being imagined uh, at the expense of others um, past, at the expense of others' uh, possibility to imagine a different future. So it's very timely in a way, all, while it is very also historical when you look at the archives. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, um, in, a, in, a, in, in a context like, like Canada also, I mean, Canada is also a major oil producer, or in, in the U.S., U.S. is also an oil nation, although it may not see itself as one. It's, um, Texas is one of the most um, drilled, um, it's actually, um, I'm quoting a friend, Cameron Hu, who said that Texas, an anthropologist who works on oil, that Texas is the most um, drilled place in the world um, for excavation of oil. So it's interesting that how um, people in the U.S. may not see themselves as oil nation, if you will, right? Whereas let's say Iran or Venezuela or Iraq, Nigeria, it's, there's always association mm-hmm. between the people and its subsoil, between the people and the, this material um, commodity, this, um, this, um, um, this uh, um, resource. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a, I think going back to your question, sorry, I went a little bit of... Uh, That's great. I Thank went you. to many different um, routes to yeah. make my point. I think uh, it is about imagining a future because petroleum was always uh, built upon a future, right? Mm-hmm. It was always about a future true, um, made possible by oil. Um, and um, so now that there's this, um, um, you know, this, uh, corporates are doing mental gymnastics to rebrand themselves and trying to find ways to, um, to um, not only um, um, excavate more, but also find other resources such as deep sea mining, which is a new frontier, which is horrifying, um, and um, there are many, many other aspects of extractive industries that um, we can talk further. So it's really necessary to look at these archives and um, just see, see the continuity mm-hmm. um, within these archives um, mm-hmm. at the moment. And I think that's very uh, essential at the moment. Seems like there's a lot of bravery in your work to actually take these archives and create a space here 
just in the sense that it's a space of your imaginary, but you're also like working on many processes at once in terms of like digging into these archives, in terms of like the broad critique of um, scholars in the Iranian diaspora thinking critically about the legacy and the violence of BP or Anglo-Iranian oil company. I'm just wondering for you, can you talk a little bit more about that process of interacting with the archives? Mm -hmm. People, I, th I think often maybe don't think of like an oil company's archives mm -hmm. as subject or material for an exhibition mm -hmm. or the reimagination of worlds yeah. um, or the uncovering of what was hidden in plain sight. Yeah, uh, as you mentioned, I think there's so many um, scholars, both in the diaspora and inside Iran, who are working on oil that have set the precedent, um, who have been visionary contributors um, to the scholarship. Um, Kaveh Sani, um, who, um, who, whom I had the pleasure of uh, working with and attending one of his seminars, Turaj um, Atabaki, um, both of whom have contributed immensely to the history of um, labor mm -hmm. in Iranian oil industry and the labor movement. Um, Paymon Jafari, another amazing scholar based in Princeton. Um, you know, there are so many um, scholars um, um, in, in diaspora, in Iran, Catherine Shafi, whom you mentioned um, that you um, read her book uh, in your seminar. So there are so many um, scholarships on, on, on the subject, on the BP archives. Um, my role was an art, as an artist, uh, I think, um, was... Um, was different in a way, like as a uh, how I approached the archives as an artist, someone who studied photography, and these are I'm working with these photographic archives mm -hmm. and film archives. But mm -hmm. my approach as someone trained in photography mm -hmm. and my view toward images as constitutive political agents is very different. For me, the image um, um, uh, image points out at something else, points out as a at the structure behind its production. And images are here become um, become agents, become tools, and and um, it was very curious to me to see what I can do with these images, right? So, um, so in a way, I use the, the images to comment on on other images, and that's what I always do in my work. Um, this mm -hmm. form of like creating the dialogue between images, unpacking them um, in in a form that really feels like a like a research that is like outlined and you see it as a unfolding and it couples with text, it couples with actual archives, mm -hmm. uh, with sort of um, manipulations and altering of the archive and, and, and images. So it's in, it's in some ways like um, speaks to, um, you know, how, how as an artist I would see these archives differently because I was always trying to find connections. I was always trying to um, not really be uh, bounded by area, a specific area or specific time and try to be, uh, do the job of a historian because mm. there are historians doing their job really great. I don't need to do the job of a historian. So as an artist, I wanted to speculate with them and try to mm. uh, read them against each other in ways that tells a story. It, it makes you question the images. It makes you find patterns. It makes you see reflections and mirroring uh, in this sort of like polarizing pool of visual culture around oil. And, um, and 
for me, um, as an artist, my role is to tell a story. And here, I wanted to uh, create an after image, right? Mm. We would create an after image of oil. You see all these images that are pointing at oil, at, at, uh, at the process of extraction of oil. And, um, and I just was hoping that what sort of after image will be, will be left with the viewer after walking through the exhibition, reading the text and looking at these images. And um, hopefully there is an after image after what, looking at the, at, at, the, at the works in the exhibition. That was um, a conversation with artist and researcher, uh, academic Sanaz Sorabi. Uh, on the exhibition Hiding in Plain Sight Archives of Oil that is up um, until November 27th at the Centre Clark in Montreal. Um, I'd encourage people to check out the website if you're in the city, centreclark.com. You can find more information about this exhibition. Um, It's uh, important work and I think it draws on a lot of important um, reflections about the cultural implications of Uh, corporate and Western colonial conquest for resources and oil. Um, You know, I should just note very clearly, um, we've had a focus on this issue here on the podcast Free City Radio before. There is an internal colonial violence happening here in so-called Canada, uh, the conquest for oil and natural gas, as it's called, uh, taking place on Indigenous territories. If we think about the Wet'suwet'en Nation, Um, If we think about many indigenous communities that are impacted by pipelines, uh, we can think about also the Trans Mountain Pipeline um, that is being constructed um, uh, despite the vocal opposition of many Sukukmik people. Um, And so there's a lot of um, important implications for thinking about land, territory, resources, culture in regards to oil and natural gas and claims of colonial sovereignty over indigenous lands um, very close to where this podcast is being produced geographically within Turtle Island. So I wanted to uh, draw that connection just a little bit. Thank you so much to Sanaz for being on the program today. I'm Stefan Christoph. This is Free City Radio. We have a new edition every Tuesday. Our next show will be next week. Um, so thanks for listening. Uh, we have a new edition um, coming out uh, next Tuesday. So if you've like, liked what you heard, uh, please tell a friend. Um, that's how the word is spread about this project. Um, obviously, this is um, not a project with a massive budget or much of a budget at all. It's something that I work on um, independently. So um, it's always really appreciated when, um, you know, I hear that people spread the word uh, just sort of like um, word of mouth style. Um, So be really great if you could do that. Um, So thanks again for tuning in. Um, CKUT also broadcasts an edition of Free City Radio, which you can find also here through subscription on Wednesdays. Uh, It's live on FM dial in Montreal, 90.3 FM at 11 a.m. I'll go to a track that I heard on Radio Hara from Palestine, uh, but the track is called Spanish Dub, and it's by Stally Stew, live at the Bakery Studio. I love this piece, so I'll share it with you. I hope you have a good week, and I will uh, talk to you next Tuesday. Take it easy. Take care. <laughs>